Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. So I'm here with uh, Pat Holden and Adam Stringham. And uh, Pat, I know that when we had messaged each other, um, I had a very specific question for you. And that question was, um, I, I, I know that there has been a Caps fan that made some notoriety uh, recently as he uh, tweeted that uh, if the Capitals do not give up a, a penalty, uh, that he will eat a shoe. And uh, he followed through on that. So I think the only question is, uh, Pat, would you eat a shoe for the Washington Capitals? No, I wouldn't. But I, I appreciate his dedication to the cause, though. There you go. Is there any, is, is there any, like, do you have any weird superstitions or anything about, like, hockey or, a, you know, because I, I, I could, I could, I could hit, hit, admit here that at one point I thought I had this weird superstition that I would not watch the opening face-off of a period during the playoffs, which, like, is weird, and it resulted in all these weird head-jerking motions, but I was convinced it worked until it was 2016 and it absolutely did not work. But did you, do you have any, uh, any weird fan things that uh, we, we could start the show with? You know, sorry to give the incredibly boring answer that I don't, I, I generally assume that I don't have any impact on, on what happens to the game. So um, I, I apologize. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We'll, uh, we'll bring it later. Adam, <laughs> do you have any, uh, do you have any weird, weird superstitions or traditions slash would you eat, would you eat a shoe for the Washington Capitals? Oh, I like to think I would never say something that would make me eat a shoe. This just, <laughs> just 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 sounds like you're putting yourself in a bad spot, especially if you're posting that kind of stuff online. There but, you go. Good 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 on him for following through. There you uh, go. There you go. Well, I mean, he did, he did put Old Bay on it at least, so it's a good 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 uh good loyal Marylander there. And uh, the answer for for me, by the way, is uh. Absolutely. Of course. You know, I, I'm, I guess I'm the only one of these three that's dedicated to the uh, to the cause here. So uh, with that, let's get the show started. Welcome back to J Percent Radio. I'm your co-host Greg Young, and uh, today we got uh, Adam is uh, is with me, so we we have both the co-hosts together, and uh, we welcome a extra special guest, uh, Pat Holden. Pat, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Doing well. I'm doing well. String, string. How is uh, how is the uh, the last the last set of games been treating you? Oh, uh, you know, I, I would say 
things were going better than a third period for the Washington Capitals. You know, the, the, that's how things are going for me. Better than there a third period. Well, I mean, they, they were outshot. I think it was like 17 to 6 or something that third period. So uh, that's a low bar. But I'm, I'm glad you cleared that low bar. Uh, at least, I mean, Pat, we, we got some snow. That was, that was exciting, right? Yeah, we did. It was unfortunately on like the lower end of what they're calling for. No uh, boom scenario. But um, we still got some. I'll take any snow I can get. Oh, yeah. It's, there, it has not snowed that much this year. I mean, I, I know that when I was taking my vacation in Denmark, uh, I it, it like it had that weird time where like or that that awful temperature range where it was just cold rain the entire time. And you're just like, what's the point of this? Like, if it's going to be cold and precipitate, it might as well just snow. This is a waste of everyone's time. So um, speaking of things that are not a waste of everyone's time, this is going to be the transition I go with. I, I, I think I did okay. Um, Pat, uh, we've, we've seen now, like, a couple of weeks of Cavs hockey. And uh, I think it's fair to say uh, uneven is, is a word that comes to mind. Uh bad in the third period and also at times bad in the second period comes to mind too. But I don't know, kind of gut level, like wh- where, where are you at with the caps right now? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's hard to commit too firmly to any position about them. Right. Just because of the weirdness of the season overall and then the injuries and the suspensions uh, or not suspensions, the COVID protocol <laughs> and then no no preseason and a new coach and we're you know only a handful of games in so you know it's it's hard to say anything too confidently or too de- definitively <laughs> because of all that but i would say where i'm at is it it seems some things that we suspected when they hired laviolette uh might be coming true in terms of i know micah had the the chart that basically said peter laviolette his teams is where offense goes to die basically. And I know you guys had written about that some, I think. And uh, that, you know, that seems to be one of the worrying things is, whoa, this team isn't creating uh, much offense. And this is something that needed to be on our radar with the coach that they hired. And, and here it is coming true, but you know, with all those caveats that I said as well, but you know, that, that would be my main concern so far uh just in terms of how much are they going to generate enough offense here yeah string uh i know that we 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 chatted last week but kind of kind of thoughts on uh the caps right now and uh, the last last little bit here i think the really interesting thing is that you know pat just brings up offense and they've had offense so far but it doesn't feel sustainable um you know i think they're actually scoring right now the third highest or something like that goals for per game pace in the league but it's it's really because of a very productive power play so far and a very high five on five shooting percentage. So I, I think the Caps are kind of outperforming their underlying play. I think um, in a way that more so than what we've seen in right. I mean we've seen them outperform because of the high level skill, um, but I'm not really sure that's what we've seen recently. I mean a lot of the guys that we consider that high-level skill, especially Kuznetsov, who's one of those guys who always kind of overperforms his underlying metrics, wasn't even in the lineup. So uh, I think we've seen a Capitals team that's frankly gotten a little bit lucky um, at times, and I, I think maybe the, the results are are coloring some of these things that I'm seeing around kind of social media that the Caps are maybe a bit better than I think they really are. Yeah. Yeah, Pat, I mean... 
I think one thing that is interesting, and String brought it up a little bit, is the power play. Because, I mean, you, you play without Ovechkin and Kuznetsov for four games, and still without Kuznetsov right now, uh, for as far as we know, it could be a little bit here. Um, but the Cavs power plays actually look pretty good. Uh, it, and some of it, obviously, is some of those Carlson point shots aren't going to keep going in, but... I don't know, like, I, I, what have kind of been your thoughts? It seems like Rana has uh, acquitted himself well on the uh, power play so far. Yeah, I was pretty excited from opening night when I saw just what they were doing from a zone entry uh, perspective. And, you know, one, I, I don't know if I'm pro or anti-slingshot. I know it looks dumb and a lot of people don't like it. But the main thing with the Caps power play and, you know, this is going back, I don't know, over five years ago now to when I I think I tracked like 20 games of power play zone entries. And they I mean, it was like an open and shut case. You wanted to enter down the right wing boards with control of the puck like it used to be Marcus Johansson. Marcus was doing Johansson. That. Yeah. Yeah. And and they got away from it. They're never you know, they weren't doing it. It was the slingshot or it was koozie just like one man show all over and. Their zone entries have been pretty bad for years, so I was pretty, I was, I was pretty optimistic. I don't know about optimistic might be too strong a word, but I was encouraged by seeing that on opening night. You know, oftentimes it's a pass from the defensive zone, normally Carlson to a center, you know, around the red line in the middle of the ice, who kind of bumps it over to somebody streaking down the right wing is is my favorite one to see, and they've done that or other variations of it, or you know, and primarily just been entering down the right wing. Uh, more so than I had seen in previous seasons. So I was really encouraged by that. And I totally agree with you. I think Verona's looked great. I might be biased because I love watching Verona play. You and me both. And I haven't looked at power play numbers. I mean, it's too early to even begin to consider them really, but uh, with sample size. But to my eyes that already like Verona, I really like him on the power play. Yeah. On yeah. the first unit, I should say. Yeah. So, so Adam, I think I mean, we've talked about the power play ad nauseum on this show, but I want to frame my question to you this way. So I, I think, I think Pat and I and everyone would agree that there's kind of been a little bit of, um, I, I would say staleness might be the word that I would use at times too. I, the Caps have been running the, you know, their, their set power play for a long time now. And I think zone entry wise, they've tried some different things, but it hasn't really stuck or anything like that. I, I think my my big question, though, and I'm wondering if you have any kind of thoughts on this, is do we think that it at times became a personnel problem because I, the Caps had the same five people on their on the power play for really the last like four or five years, which is kind of remarkable to think about, um, you know, and so is it maybe that they're slowing down and yada yada, or do we think that just the kind of pure like zone entry like strategies that they did got stale? Uh, I, I think it was much more strategy-based than personnel-based. I mean, uh, you've got the most lethal kind of power play player in the world in, in, in Ovechkin. And I don't know if you, I mean, back in 2012-2013, we used to, people used to talk about how Ovechkin, you know, 10 years from now, all that was going to be left was his power play offense. And fortunately, there's still more than that left with him. But I mean, he should be able to stay there for another five, six years and just, just, just bomb away on the power play. Um, I, I don't think the problem is personnel related. And I mean, uh, Mojo did such a great job in those entries that Pat talked about earlier, but the Caps have other options to go down that side now. I mean, you've got Kuznetsov or Verana. 
Um, you know, you can't put a guy like Backstrom and have him do the entry because Backstrom doesn't have the foot speed. But uh, a lot of options on the power play, and I, I really don't think it's a personnel problem. All right. Okay. Um, so, so Pat, you mentioned about Laviolette earlier, and I it's been interesting because I think that defensively the Caps seem a little bit more, I, I guess maybe organized might be the word I would use, uh, but yeah, offensively it's been a little bit, I think, hit or miss here. What have been your thoughts kind of on Laviolette so far, and uh, what, do you think there's anything he's doing differently than, uh, than Todd or Barry? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like, and I, and I think there was a lot of talk about this before, you know, before the season started, that the D would be more active. Um, and it, it sure seems like they're lower in the offensive zone a lot more often. It seems like every every game Nick Jensen's played in, I feel like I see him below the offensive goal line, like a couple times a period. You know? yeah. um, him and Schultz in the games they've played in, it, it seem to be really active. Uh, when you know when the caps are on offense and getting lower in the zone than I'm accustomed to seeing caps defensive defensemen uh, you know kind of position themselves and you know try to keep control of the puck in the offensive zone and then it, but it, it seems like almost opposite reaction as soon as the other team has the puck it's like and I don't know if this is what kind of uh, causes for such a uh, drop off in shot attempts in, in Laviolette's offense is they really seem to fall back quickly once we don't have control of the puck, which is good. You know, it, it, in some respects, you know, can cut down on odd man rushes, defensive lapses. You have guys back to cover for guys. Uh, but those, just the, the aggression with the puck and then the almost complete opposite without the puck have been t- what stood out to me most about his system. Yeah. And uh, I think, Adam, the other kind of vein that got Caps Twitter, uh, maybe me included a little bit, a little bit of flame was uh, some of the kind of lineup decisions that Laviolette has made. So I don't know, like, obviously putting Vrana on the fourth line got some attention and then the quotes afterwards got a little more. What, what have you thought about how kind of Laviolette has balanced all of the injuries and putting different people in and out? Well, I mean, it's been relatively well documented on Twitter, kind of how I was feeling about a lot of the lineup decisions. I mean, I wanted to see McMichael get more time before he got moved down. And, you know, it, it, it definitely doesn't feel like Laviolette's putting a lot of premium on giving the more skilled players more ice time, um, which is his prerogative. I mean, he's a guy who's won, he's a coach that's won a lot of games. Um, and, I, and I think he's got an idea of how to do that. Um, but when it comes to lineup decisions, my biggest concern, I think Pat has said this on Twitter as well, is having Chara up on the first D pairing. Um, to me, that's kind of the biggest concern long term. Uh, I mean, the Capitals aren't going anywhere if Rana's on the fourth line. But with, with all the guys that have been out, with Kuznetsov still out, it's really kind of tough to know what line even is kind of the fourth line right now. Yeah. And uh, Pat, I will. Uh, I had a I had a bullet here that just was explain Chara on the top pair. So Pat, <laughs> explain Chara on the top pair. You know, I'm I'm thinking <laughs> and hoping. Uh, and I think in the last game, what was that, on Monday night? Was that the last time they played? Uh, or- Orloff got some shifts with Carlson as the game went on. And I know that wasn't the case in practice today. It was back to today being Wednesday. Chara was on the top pair. But I'm hoping that it's just kind of a let's work Orloff fully back into game shape thing. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in five days a week or whatever, he's back playing with Carlson on the top pair. And correct me if I'm wrong, though, it did, did it happen? It didn't happen before he went on the COVID 
list, right? It was Orwell and Carlson on the on the top. There. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They were. Yeah, they so were, I'm, so were, yeah. I'm hoping you know that that's where it is because man, I, I mean, Char is fun to have on the team, and I think Char can be effective on the team. I, I don't think he should be getting top pair minutes at the expense of Orwell. <laughs> no, agreed, agreed. And uh, I guess it's Pat. Do you do you kind of have a preference for once? Uh, obviously, I think when Schultz comes back, this is going to kind of swing things around. Did you did you have a kind of preference of do you want Orlov on the top here do you want him second kind of how do, how do you hope that the D shakes out at least kind of from what you've been seeing so far yeah I'd love to see an extended run of Orlov and Carlson on the top pair if they you know as long as the second and third pair can hold well I guess the second pair can you know uh kind of hold their own without Orlov on that uh pairing because I mean in recent seasons when they've been on on a uh on a pairing together, Orloff and Carlson, it, it has typically been in situations where the Caps have been trailing third period. So uh, there's going to be a lot of offense involved, but the numbers have been kind of through the roof with the, what the Caps have done with them on the ice together. And I'd, yes. I'd love to see just like, let's just put our two best defensemen on our top pair and see what happens from there with the rest. I, I, I like that approach. There you go. There you go. And uh, I guess, Adam, we've now seen, uh, I, I know that going into the year, we had said that it seemed like the Caps had like six or seven capable NHL quality bottom pair defensemen, uh, which sounds like an insult, but I, I actually don't think it is. Um, has anyone stood out to you positive or negative from kind of aside, Chara aside, because I think I'm already tired of talking about Zidane Chara. Uh, on the defensive side, I mean, uh, lower tier defensive guys, no. I mean, yeah. Uh, I haven't been overly impressed by Siegenthal when he's been in the lineup. He hasn't really stood out to me as much as I kind of expected him to. I mean, he's a guy that I really thought was kind of primed to take that next step um, for the Capitals. I mean, he, you know, they, they traded up to draft him a few years ago, and I, I, I'm just waiting for him to kind of establish himself in the lineup, and he hasn't quite been able to do that yet. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, uh, you know, I think we'll see. I think this is going to be one of those that, I, I mean, as long as Schultz is out and even I think when he comes back, it's going to be there's just going to be experimentation because, uh, you know, this we're at this point in the year where I think they're just going to be trying. I mean, well, I guess one who even knows when they're going to play next at, at a certain bit here, because it seems like the entire East has COVID right now, which is something we'll talk about a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to kind of be interesting to see how it shakes out. But. Another thing, Pat, that I wanted to talk about, because he's one of my favorite players, and I think he's one of yours, too. What did you think about LaViolette putting Vron on the fourth line? Uh, you know, for one game this early in the season, uh, you know, whatever. I, I guess if I were the coach, I would probably <laughs> never make that decision. You know, at the same time, like what Adam said, like, other than that top line, like, what even are these lines, right? Like, what is yeah. your first line? and or your second, third, and fourth line. And, and the fact that he was, he had Sprong on his other wing was like, okay, like I know Sprong is, you know, generally been on the fourth line when he's been in, but at the same time, it's putting him with somebody who can play the style of game that he can play. So, you know, if, if three months from now, we're talking, we're talking about Ron on the fourth line, uh, I'd, I'd find it uh, a lot more troubling than I do for the, you know, the one game that kind of happened. Sure. Sure. So, Adam, I know that one of the things that we talked about in the uh, kind of our, our outsiders season preview was the kind of this this theory by uh, this is Dom Lecision about when he wrote up the caps it, it, and his theory kind of going that 
the Caps' top players just aren't elite enough anymore to really stem the, you know, to really kind of lead them to be a cup contender. And, you know, kind of the idea being that, I mean, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, and co. are still good, but they're probably not great anymore. So, obviously, we're only a couple of weeks in, and Ovechkin's been out for four of those games, but do you see kind of any any thoughts about whether kind of early early indications on uh, Dom's hypothesis? Well, I mean, Backstrom's certainly been putting up the points so far, right? I mean, we've we've seen he was, I believe, fourth in the league in points just a few days ago. I, I honestly don't know where he stands in that regards today. Forty percent expected goals right now, but so it's not ideal. Well, expe- expected goals, expected schmoles, all right, Greg, all right. <laughs> the team with more expected goals doesn't win, so. Uh, I, I love advanced statistics, um, but po- points still matter, no matter what some of these guys will tell you. Um, but that, in, in all seriousness, I mean, I, I don't think Backstrom has been great, but he's getting the points. He's getting, uh, and he's getting them when they matter. Um, and I, I think it's important to kind of remember that um, Backstrom's getting paid to do what helps the team win. And, I, and then right now he is, the team was winning and it was kind of with him obviously being the most important player, probably in the whole lineup uh, besides Vanacek, who was saving their bacon a little bit here and there. So uh, sample size is too small in Ovechkin, but you'd like to see a few more goals given the number of games that he has been able to participate in. And obviously we don't really have anything on Kuznetsov yet. So yeah, um, I'd say that the jury's still out, but I mean, I don't, I don't think he's super wrong. Uh, I don't know if, Pat, it was you who tweeted this or someone else about how, you know, Ovechkin six years ago would have had a breakaway against the Bruins in, uh, in one of those games where he just doesn't quite have the same speed he did just a few years ago. Yeah, Pat, I I, I want to zoom out even a little bit further here. And I know that because uh, you, you've covered and been a part of the kind of Caps blogosphere and Twitter sphere and everything sphere for a lot longer than I have. I'm I'm new and I'm still kind of, I think, you know, trying to rub off all my newness and everything like that. But I guess I'm kind of, I mean, you've seen kind of the Caps overall trajectory where we talk about window. And I think that we're all kind of tired of that question a little bit. But where, where do you see the Caps kind of on their overall trajectory right now? Do you think that they have enough to maybe go on one last run or are we kind of looking at the end here yeah i mean i think this team as constructed this year is good enough to make the playoffs and they're good enough to you know while they're certainly on paper not not the best team in the league and you know should be beaten in a seven game series by plenty of teams that'll be in the postseason they're a good enough team to get in and cause headaches for people and go on a run i think for sure uh, at the same time, w- windows are funny, like <laughs> winning windows. I, I, if you had asked me three years ago if the Caps were still going to be in this position today, I would say uh, not not so sure about it. But they've found a way to extend it and they continue to extend it kind of one year at a time. And eventually it is going to slam shut, probably out of nowhere. So far, it doesn't look like that's going to be this year. Hopefully it's not. So uh you know, I think they're going to at least keep trying to win for the remainder of like the Backstrom Ovechkin era, which uh, what well, we've got four more seasons after this one of Backstrom by the same Ovechkin. So I'm not sure how pretty it'll be for that amount of time, but I think they'll keep <laughs> trying to extend it kind of one year at a time over these next three, four years. And hopefully we'll be surprised in three or four years when they're when they're still a playoff team. Yeah. 
Well, hey, Pat, we're gonna after this we're gonna take a break. But is there I don't know any other kind of caps thoughts that you've been holding in the chamber that you wanna that you wanna go before we switch to uh, switch to baseball over the break? Um, I think people should be nicer to Richard Ponick. <laughs> Ooh, wow. That's a okay. Hot. All right. No, no, no. All right. Let's let's do this then. All right. Um, I'm actually gonna set up Adam for this. Adam, give me the pessimist because I know that you're a little more pessimistic on Ponick than. I think actually I, I'm with I'm closer to Pat here on this one, but I will step out of the way and let you two argue it out. So uh, Stringham, give the uh, give the opening case for skepticism on Richard Ponick. Well, guys, four good games does not a good contract make. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Ponick has been brought in to be the replacement on the third line for Brett Connolly and Andre Burakovsky, and I know that there was a plan to make it more of a defensive third line than a scoring third line but where's the offense from Ponick? I mean the guy is just a no-show in terms of getting on the board um uh, I think he we can say you know he does a lot of things on defense I, I'm a believer that it's a lot easier to quantify offensive impact than defensive impact and I, I'm just I'm just not sure I buy it on him I mean he's a guy who I mean I don't have the stats right in front of me but he he's just God, he, he puts up fourth line stats kind of since he's been on the caps and he's not getting fourth line money. So, um, you know, he, he's looked good these last few games. If he can do this for the rest of the season, I'll probably have to eat some crow on this one. But I mean, he's got to show me he's had a year to show me and he hasn't shown me. All right, Pat, give a uh, talk, talk me off the ledge here a little bit. Uh, you know, I think that if, if his season last season was sequenced differently than it was people would have a different impression of him because he you know he went like the first one million games I think it was like the first dozen without a point and then he got hurt but and I didn't even realize this until I read from a very reputable cap source this this fall on japersrink.com and the rink rack that and I and I pulled it up while Adam was talking because I wanted to get my facts right. But from <laughs> December four and 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 I appreciate that dedication arbitrary. to facts. <laughs> there's a bit of arbitrary, you know, endpoints here to to an extent. But from the time that he scored his first point, which was December 14th, I think, to the end of the regular season, 20 points in 36 games. And well, during the same, and he had 25 on five points, which was second only to Ovechkin's 21. And his five um, five on five points per 60 led the team. So I think I think if he had started that way and then gotten hurt and then finished the game or finished the season with 12 scoreless games, I think the the comment sections on the Internet and Twitter and maybe even Adam would would be a lot nicer towards him. I, I think he had a good season last season after a disastrous beginning. There you go. I, uh, <laughs> that was that, that was that was pretty good. And uh, I will give. Uh, Luke Adamatis credit, who's the occasional podcast guest. Uh, he was the one that wrote that rink rap. So, uh, Luke, that's a yeah. good catch. And uh, yeah, thanks, I, Luke. Thanks, yeah, Luke. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, making, yeah, making Pat look smart. Thanks for your selective number choosing. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I use those metrics, Burakovsky is like an eight-time all-star. Come on. Well, well he should be. He should be. <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> all right well with that we're gonna we're gonna take a break uh that was good i'm glad we did that um all right and then on the other side uh if you're not interested in baseball um i give you a pass that's not great podcasting but whatever i i do it. I, i'll do it so we're gonna talk with uh with pat and adam we're gonna talk a little baseball so uh stay tuned welcome back to jay personal radio i'm still here with uh with pat and adam and uh pat it's snowing outside so let's talk baseball Perfect. Perfect. Let's do it. 
Um, yeah, because because <sighs> these days I think you're you're just as much of a baseball as 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 hockey guy. So I guess I want to kind of talk about. I want to ask you about this. Um, I know as a hockey fan, like we there's the hard salary cap and you know they inevitably there's arguments about revenue and escrow and stuff like that but having a hard cap and having a 50 50 divide makes things at least relatively clear whereas baseball it seems like it's a little more opaque and the luxury tax is kind of operated i think functionally as a salary cap these days so Mm -hmm. i guess kind of kind of where are you at on how baseball is structured economically right now and does it make a lot of sense at least compared to hockey man uh i don't think it makes a lot of sense and the i think you know i think the main reason you can say is because teams aren't encouraged to try to win really like like teams can have just kind of figured out that like oh cool like we'll try to be the 85 win team and you know that'll increase our profit margin and you know, we'll make the playoffs some years and get some revenue and go on a run. But there are very few teams that actually try to win. And that's even outside of rebuilds, right? Like outside of like the teams who are obviously rebuilding and blah, 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 whatever. You can say what you want about that and restructure the draft. But even teams that are like supposed to be competitive, it's kind of absurd. You know, the the Colorado Rockies the other day traded Nolan Arenado, one of the best third baseman of the game. And they're like, no, we're not rebuilding. Well, then why did you just trade an all-star? And it's all, you know, financial and uh, winning, I guess, there there aren't enough incentives. So um, I think the next CBA will be interesting. Yeah. Well, and and let's, uh, speaking about not winning, um, this is going to be a (laughs) terrible transition. I feel terrible asking it this way, but, but, I mean, you're, you're an Orioles fan and, uh, (laughs) that was, you know, that was actually a pretty good transition. That was good. I like that. I enjoyed that. Uh, So I guess, uh, I, I, I mean, it seems like the Orioles have basically traded away everything that's not nailed down at this point. So I don't know, like what would a successful season for the Orioles even look like and kind of how are you feeling about them right now as a fan? Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's a way to define a successful season for them beyond, like, how their player development and minor league system goes. Certainly, they have some prospects who are starting to arrive at the major league level. It would be great to see some of them look like they could be long-term pieces. But really, you know, this is only the third year under the new regime in Baltimore. And these rebuilds typically take four or five years before you start to see any kind of turnaround on them. So... I don't really have any expectations on this season other than they're going to be terrible. Uh, But it's at least at the point now where they're terrible, but players who might be part of the next good team are starting to arrive on the scene. So uh, that, that'll be fun to watch at least watch guys who might be guys, you know, on the next team rather than just dudes who are passing through. Yeah. So it's not, not a team full of Chris Davises. You just have one. (laughs) (laughs) Which by the I think I in person saw him hit one of the longest home runs I've ever seen. So I mean, he when he was on, he was amazing to watch. He had he yeah. he had a great few years there. Yeah. And then they they signed him immediately after the basically the last great year. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that contract was terrible from the second they signed it. There was yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I I I gotta, I gotta ask you about Arenado though. I mean, like so. 
I mean, we talked about it a little earlier. It's like you look at that trade and it's just fascinating and bizarre and I think almost kind of frustrating from both teams' perspectives in a weird way because I think if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm like, yeah, great, but like you needed them to retain salary on Nolan Arenado. Like, what? What? Just getting him wasn't enough. But I don't know. Kind of, kind of. What, what was your reaction when you saw that trade go through? Uh, I I couldn't believe that basically they got back no legitimate top, you know, prospect, top five, top ten in the Cardinals system prospect with with all the money involved. Like if they were just trading Arenado and the Cardinals were taking on all his money, maybe there's some justification financially for why you get nothing back for a great player. Uh, it, the Rockies are one of a few teams that are just a mess, and it, it makes no sense to trade, trade away, you know, the face of your franchise, your best player, who's still only 29, and also send $50 million with them. And the package you get back, there's nothing exciting about it. You have some guys who might be like bench players. You know, I mean, you know, they could like always develop starter, out of nowhere. I think one but, of them was or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gomber, the the pitcher, but but he's a pitcher going to Colorado. So like, have fun, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man, this is brutal. I uh, I mean, look, look, okay, let's let's. I'm gonna not talk about the Orioles and let's. I mean, I actually I've had a hot a Japers Drink Radio episode before with. Uh, friend of mine, uh, Jacob Rash, about just the Washington Nationals. So uh-huh. it seems like the Nats have been pretty active this offseason. Um, obviously, last year, a bit of a disappointment, but like, you know, only 60-something games, right? You know, it's going to be a little fluky and weird. I, wh- where are you at on the Nats and kind of what they did this offseason? Yeah, I mean, some interesting additions. Uh, it's clear that they do not really care about defense. Like, I mean, they nope. brought in Kyle Schwarber, <laughs> who's should be a DH and then, uh, you know, in the other corner, I mean, if, yeah, Josh Bell. If And then in the other corner is Juan Soto who, you know, he's must see TV. He's like one of the best hitters in baseball and like might be a generational talent by the time he's done, but he's not a good fielder. So uh, I don't, you know, but I think they've made at least interesting additions that show they are remotely interested in fielding a competitive team, which is like saying a lot in baseball these days, right? Like, it seems like they were actively trying to get better this offseason and bringing in some pieces that will help them, which is great because, I mean, Trey Turner and Juan Soto, like, start with those two guys and then, yeah, just bring in some other helpful pieces and see what you got. There you go. There you go. There you go. And I, I think I want to ask a question kind of this way. Um, as Capital Sands, we talked uh, just a little bit about the window and, you know, kind of what happens on the other side of the window. Um, or, oh, you've seen now the Orioles kind of go through it. And obviously it's a little different with the Caps because they at least won a championship. But I mean, how, how dark at times are we looking? Like what, how, how is it different to root for a team, you know, in a rebuild versus kind of a team that's actively competitive? Um, In some ways, I think it depends on the sport, right? Like, and, and this might be my own bias and how I enjoy <laughs> following sports, but I think the minor leagues and the way player development works in baseball during a rebuild is way more entertaining than hockey because hockey, you know, your prospects are scattered all over the place in different leagues. It's not like, you know, they're out in Frederick and Bowie and Norfolk and go see them play. And, and, you know, like they're out in Sweden or whatever. Right. Right. They're not being covered by the local media. Uh, So in, in that regard, I think it's a little bit harder in hockey to, 
to get excited about a rebuild, rebuild while it's going on. But at the same time, it's and, and, you know, I think we remember this from when Backstrom and Ovechkin and, you know, that whole wave of players arrived on the scene. It's super fun when like things when those guys arrive. Right. And even before they fulfilled that potential and before they're good, just to have a young team with potential and, and, and a ceiling higher than it's been in, you know, a decade or whatever. And, and you can see the little glimpses too. And the glimpses right. are so tantalizing. Yeah. Yeah. So from, from a rooting perspective, I think it's more fun to root. Well, it's never fun to root for a rebuild. I think it's more fun to follow a rebuild in baseball than in hockey, but you know, at the same time, having a young team as the rebuilds ending transitioning to trying to win. I think we all remember, you know, when Bruce came on and I mean, that was some of the most fun time, fun times I've ever had rooting for any sports team is when the caps were in that phase. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Adam, you got any, you got any baseball questions for Pat? Uh, Pat. So I've heard you're like a championship level general manager and you've got pre-sweet <laughs> YouTube channel. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find it and kind of what you've been doing there during the pandemic? So, yeah, I was uh, telling these guys before we started this, I, I there's a baseball game that I've played for, I don't know, off and on for 10 years called Out of the Park Baseball. It's basically like a simulation game on the computer that when it's not a pandemic, I let myself keep on the computer for like two or three months and then I have to take it off so I can be a productive person. Uh, because I really enjoy games where you can be the manage, general manager and make all the roster decisions. And this game is geared towards that. And so early in the pandemic, I started putting it on YouTube and then I started putting tutorials for it on YouTube. And now, uh, I don't know, people seem to enjoy it. So it's what I've been doing. Um, yeah, on my on my YouTube channel, I've been playing. Yeah, you've for... left the hockey media and you've entered the YouTube <laughs> media, which uh, I, I've, I've, heard, I've never heard a complaint about a YouTube news source. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm on the right track then. Yeah, but it, yeah, if, if anybody likes, you know, if sports fans who like the kind of management side of it, you know, for soccer, you've got football manager. For baseball, it's out of the park baseball. And then, you know, for hockey, there's franchise hockey manager, which is not quite on a level with those two, but all super fun games that are kind of in my wheelhouse for the way that I kind of enjoy sports. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, well, Pat, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we had you on. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Where, where can people, uh, where can people find you and your, uh, your various musings on things and your YouTube channel? <laughs> Both of them are under PF Holden at, at Twitter. I'm on PF Holden. Uh, wow. I go, you know, I go through periods where I, tweet stupid thoughts about sports and then sometimes don't for a while and youtube uh youtube.com slash pf holden that's all baseball based stuff right now but i, I want to branch out and do some hockey stuff um so we'll see we'll see yeah there you go that's exciting and uh adam uh, where can people find you and your uh, your various thoughts and uh, you've been you've been a little more active lately so it's been exciting yeah i've been uh, very active on on the twitter uh again for the first time in a while so uh all of our great listeners if they don't already can follow me on there i will uh try to keep the hot takes to a a reasonable amount but enough to keep you interested there you go there you go and uh that twitter handle for those that didn't catch is uh stringham a uh and then uh you can follow me at greg underscore jr uh if you like the show please 
rate, rate, subscribe, review, do all of those things. Uh, we appreciate every review and uh, helps people find the show, which we really appreciate. And uh, you can find the Twitter show at, at uh, Japers Rink Radio. We'll always retweet and post occasional comments there. And uh, you can find uh, mine and Adam whenever he writes stuff at uh, Japers Rink. So uh, next week, uh, not totally sure what we're going to do. We're definitely going to have Adam and I on at least. Uh, so uh, we're looking forward to that. And uh, let's go Caps. <laughs>